This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal question. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill. I'm with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Just the two of us this morning. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. How are you? I am doing fantastic. And and how about you? We're going to talk about uh, travel rights and things to keep in mind when you're traveling. Uh, will you be doing any traveling this summer? Not too much. I mean, I really actually have already done a lot of traveling uh, up to this point and had a bag that was lost and delayed, actually, (laughs) Uh, had flight delays. And, you know, those are things that I think we just have to expect. Sometimes they happen Uh, this past weekend. Uh, I was traveling um, from Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, there was a lot of a lot of thunderstorms in Atlanta, Georgia. And so lots of delays. And I think we just have to be patient. That's part of it. And make sure that we we plan for, you know, some delays and things like that. But maybe if we talk about all these problems today, they won't happen. I know you're getting ready to go on a cruise this summer. I am. And I have been. I've told my husband to roll up a newspaper and hit me if he watch, sees me watching any more of these Facebook groups about traveling. But I am one who really believes that if you are as prepared as you can be, you're, of course, not going to uh, prevent uh, bad things from happening, but you might be a little bit more prepared. And just this morning, you know, someone was asking for advice because they flew from Los Angeles to Europe with went through four different airports and nobody had their suitcase. And that just uh, reinforced in me that I am going to only carry on for my two week vacation. What I, I'm only going to take what I can carry on because I do not want my suitcase to go missing. Well, I think that's probably a good plan. I, I mean, I tend to like to check my bag, but I've had two experiences recently where it's gotten delayed or um, misplaced, and, you know, eventually they get it to me. And, you know, one of the things we have to think about with some of the uh, things we're going to talk about today is, you know, we, we talk about laws and legal rights, and sometimes damages are very serious. Sometimes it's more just annoyance, and it's not a situation where you're going to get a lawyer to help you. But maybe uh, travelers can plan themselves then and know who, you know, what their recourse is, and that's what we're trying to help them with today. That's right. And so if you have a question about what your legal recourses are for flights, for reservations, even for bed bugs, those are some of the topics that that we're going to address today. And one of the first things is when you, you know, whether you're making your plans for this summer or for summer of 2020, you'll need to think about, you know, uh, are you making a purchase or are you just making a reservation? Well, that's a great question. You are making, in some ways, you're making a purchase. Uh, You know, it's, I always buy non-refundable tickets, but that doesn't mean that the airline can't change your route and cancel it. But when they do, they have to they have to find a suitable replacement for you, and that doesn't always work. I, you know, I know uh, people who, for example, I knew someone who was going to a wake, uh, and her flight uh, 
was not available. And so she ended up having to wait seven hours and she would miss the wake. So, you know, in that case, they have to refund your money. Right. And when you but if it's if it's not a if you're making a purchase, let's say for airline tickets, I think it's it's good to remind people that if you do make it for non-refundable, then there will be additional fees if you should change your mind. But uh, if you do it within the first 24 hours, you do get a break. Isn't that right? That's right. That's that's a relatively recent change. I know, uh, you know, that was a pushback that uh, the airlines got and some legislation that passed that said airline customers have to have that 24-hour period to change their mind. So, you know, if you book a flight, I actually booked a flight. I was traveling with some students for a moot court competition, and I realized that I thought what I thought was uh, I was booking uh, at 7 a.m. in the morning. I was booking at 7 p.m. I'd already booked the tickets, but it was within 24 hours, so I was able to cancel that and, and change those flights. Very good to know. And with flights, it's it's interesting with uh, the fares and all the different different types of fares that there are. And you know, most discount fares are uh, non-refundable. And so, if you later cancel your trip, then uh, you don't get your money back. But a lot of times, uh, they'll make accommodations if you're going to book another flight. They might uh, put some of your money towards that. But there's always you have to read the fine print and look for fees. That's right. We have to be informed travelers. And, you know, you mentioned fees, and I think it's worth mentioning that our uh, senator from Mississippi, Roger Wicker, uh, has uh, proposed legislation that has not quite passed. It's uh, He and uh, actually some Democratic members of the Senate proposed a Fair Fee Act, uh, and that really is an act that would regulate some of the fees that, that airlines charge. I know that now, you know, you, you buy a seat on the airline and you realize they tell you that that particular seat there's an upcharge of $19 or their baggage fees that they, they add. And so pretty much everything you do on an airline now uh, costs a little bit extra fee here and there. And so uh, Congress is looking at um, regulating that, and I think that would be a good step. For people who do like to do a lot of their own research to, to dig in, um, www.transportation.gov slash air consumer slash fly dash rights. That has a lot of great information to remind people about, uh, you know, just things to look out for, remind people about what to look for when making their airline reservations. Um, you know, with the airlines, you can make a reservation. A lot of times they'll hold that price, that reservation for 24 hours. And then after you make your purchase, you again have another 24 four hours in case you need to make some changes or you find something that comes along a little bit better. That's right. And, you know, I think some of us are frustrated by the fact that, uh, you know, you can't really make changes after that 24 hours. I know one time I was supposed to travel to pick up my daughter from a program that she was uh, in, in, in Durham and I was going to fly to get her and I got sick and I couldn't fly. So my wife took my place. And, you know, same seat. In fact, my wife takes up less space than I do on a plane. And the airline did refund my price because I was sick and I had a doctor's note. 
But they said, I said, well, can my wife then take my seat? And they said, yes, that'll cost $1,000. And I think that's where people get frustrated is because, you know, it it, it seems like the airlines really do take advantage of those situations. When you are going to book your reservation, when you have when you are making your purchase, that is really the time to catch that 7 a.m., 7 p.m. Make sure it's all recorded accurately. Look at your email confirmation. Make sure all the information on it is correct, especially your name and uh, the name of the airports. I know my mother was going to make a uh visit to see my brother who was in the Air Force in Panama City, Panama, but she got a ticket for Panama City, Florida, and she was quite excited about how inexpensive it was to fly, but that wasn't the Panama City she wanted to go to. I know sometimes, uh, a few years ago, there was a story about a, uh, a boy who was traveling on his own to Oakland, but somehow got on an airplane to Auckland, New Zealand. So checking the email confirmation, uh, checking for the name. And people's names change. Isn't uh, isn't that right, Uh, Richard Gershon? (laughs) You know, absolutely. And, in fact, I have to. This is terrible because I have to use my real first name, which is Ira, when I travel because otherwise TSA will not let me on the flight. So I have to be Ira Richard Gershon, and I just disclosed what the I is. is. And, you know, the, when you're a tax lawyer, you cannot be named Ira, but I am. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but, you know, a lot of this is really is exactly what you're saying, planning. You know, whether it's about luggage, whether it's about uh, the flight itself. You know, one thing that we got to keep in mind is if we have a short uh, connection, like if you've got 30 minutes in Atlanta, but you know when you land and you have to make a connection in Atlanta in 30 minutes, that's going to be really difficult. And so you should expect that maybe you don't make that flight and your bag doesn't make that flight as well. That's right. That's when you uh, pre-prepare. We got our airline tickets through our cruise uh, company, and I was so excited because, oh, this flight gets in so much earlier. Can I get on this flight? And they said, no, you can't because the connecting flight it was too short a turnaround time and the cruise company we can get into that a little bit later but the cruise company was responsible for my airline tickets and they wouldn't let me sign up for a flight that had too short of a turnaround time well that's probably good because they didn't want you being disappointed i mean what we're talking about here primarily there you know could all these rules really apply to business travel as well but we're thinking about people who are excited about vacations and then run into problems, whether it's a delayed flight, lost baggage, or damaged baggage, or a problem with a hotel room, problem with a cruise line. And you do have some legal rights uh, in each of those circumstances. Well, that's what we're talking about today. We're going to continue our discussion of your rights as a traveler. What are the laws after the break? We'll continue with some airfare information. We'll talk about cruise travel. So if you have any questions about the laws concerning travelers' rights, that's our topic today. Give us a call at one 877 mpb ring That's one 877 672 
7464. You could also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Uh, Professor Gershon, I just emailed you a off-the-topic but uh, interesting email. We'll get to that when we come back. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Welcome to MPB Think Radio's In Legal Terms. Now, not everyone has the chance to listen to our whole show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the show at mpbonline.org slash In Legal Terms. It's available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. We're talking about your travel rights. Uh, we're going to get into cruises in a little bit. We're going to get into uh, delayed, canceled flights and bumping into uh, flights in just a moment. But, uh, Professor Gershon, we got an email from Joe who was just curious about uh, what what we knew about what does sold in an arm-length transaction between unrelated parties, what does that mean? Well, that sounds like a tax question um, <laughs> in a way. Um, it just means that uh, it's a, when you think about value of something, fair market value is typically what a willing buyer would pay a willing seller, neither being under compulsion to buy or sell, and, and it would be not related people. So an arm's length transaction is just a fair price, uh, a price that uh, is not compelled, not a, a distress sale, not a gift between a family member and another family member. You know, if I were to sell something to my child, I'd probably give them a reduced price. But uh, that's what an arm's length transaction is. And so, uh, you know, what you would buy, what you would pay for a car, if we, you and I bought the same car from the same dealer, we may pay a different amount. But those would both be arm's length transactions as long as we weren't related to the dealer. All right. And uh, if you have a question about your legal rights, we like to keep it on topic, but, uh, you know, we can for the show, but we'll try to get to it if we can. Our email is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking about your travel rights and... uh, Let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about delayed and canceled flights. If your flight is delayed or canceled, it really depends on who did the delaying and the canceling. Isn't that right, Professor Gershon? That's right. And, uh, you know, there are some things we have to realize. The airlines can only control so much. I mean, the thunderstorms in Atlanta were outside of the airline's control. And and so there is some patience that we need to have and, and some understanding that, you know, there are times of the year when uh, weather is going to be uh, a factor. And so we need to think about making sure that we give ourselves enough time to get where we're going. Uh, that being said, there are times when the airline is at fault. And when they are, if they cancel a flight, they need to get you on another flight. Uh, if they can't get you on their uh, airline, uh, if they can't get you to your destination as quickly as another airline could, uh, quite often they have to put you on the other airline's uh, flight instead of their own. 
So you do have some rights to request, you know, if there's a quicker flight, uh, you're on Delta and there's a quicker flight going out on American and Delta cancels your flight, you can ask them to try to get you on that American flight, just for example. Uh, so now delays are another thing. Uh, and again, if you're delayed and you miss your connection, what I've seen airlines do lately is they automatically book you on another flight and they'll ask you if that flight is acceptable or not. And so it's it's gotten a lot easier uh, to, to, to make a, a separate, a different flight uh, than it used to be. You used to have to stand in line or make phone calls and things like that. But now with computerization, they typically will rebook you and give you the option. Uh, sometimes that doesn't work, you know, so you can turn it down and, and get compensation. If, uh, if you miss a connection or you're, you're supposed to give a speech and can't make it, uh, then you can work with the airline and try to uh, negotiate a, a settlement with them. And like I mentioned earlier, there's there's legal recourses after the fact, but then there's being prepared before it happens. I remember I was flying back from uh, North Carolina and my flight going into Atlanta was late. And so I had that app, the, the airline app on my phone. I was able to book a seat while in the air to, for a later flight and maybe other people who didn't have that option because the other flight probably filled up and, and then they would have been at, missed two different flights. So whatever you can do ahead of time to save yourself from needing legal re- recourses, it would behoove you to do. But uh, we just need to reiterate and remind people that domestic itinerary airlines are not required to compensate passengers whose flights are delayed or canceled, uh, I guess, due due to weather or due to elements not under their control. Now, it makes good business sense for them to do it because, you know, you might tweet out your thanks or or say on Facebook how angry you are that they didn't help you. But if it's not in control of the airline, they don't have any legal recourse to to compensate you uh, for any additional expenses you might run into. That's right. And, uh, and you know, sometimes those expenses can be uh, large. I know uh, my family and I were stuck in New York one time during a snowstorm, and we got to the airport. We, we uh, left our hotel, went to LaGuardia, took uh, a cab, uh, waited a couple hours before they canceled the flight, and then we had to go back and take a cab back. Uh, and so, you know, there, there are expenses involved, and they're not responsible for those if they're, if they're weather-related. And, uh, and that's what we ran into. So there is some frustration, but a lot of times if you contact the airline afterwards, as, as we did, and say, look, you know, we, we had expenses in addition to uh, just, you know, uh, the, the cost of the flight because the flight was canceled, they actually gave us compensation. They weren't required to, but they gave us some uh, gift cards, uh, you know, just as a token of goodwill. And so it's worth pursuing and talking to the airline, not being angry about it, but just, you know, pointing out uh, that you had other other costs involved. And, and a lot of times they will help you out. Now, one thing they do need to do if it's not their fault is if you're stuck on the tarmac and if you are... Uh, you're not on the you're not in the air but you're also not in the airport and uh, department of transportation rules prohibit airlines from allowing a domestic flight to remain on the tarmac for more than three hours unless 
the pilot determines that it's uh, a safety or security reason or that air traffic control advises that taxiing to the gate would significantly disrupt airport operations. That's right. And, you know, the, the good thing for airlines to do, what they should do, is make sure that you have some food, water, uh, access to the restrooms when you're on the tarmac. Uh, you know, and that's really something that, uh, you know, once you get to that three-hour uh, number, that's a very uncomfortable situation for passengers. So, you know, it's really uh, there are legal rights involved, but it's also good good business for the uh, the airlines to take take care of their customers in that situation. We would love to hear your travel questions, your travel horror stories, your travel hero stories. If you'd like to participate in talking about your rights as a traveler, our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's 1-877-672-7464. You could also send us an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. And if you are stuck on the tarmac, uh, they do have to let you uh, use the restroom and uh, have medical attention if it's available. Let's let's move on to to bumping. And some people love this, <laughs> some people don't. And you know it it depends on your reason for travel and your own situation. Uh explain what bumping is. Well, bumping is when they overbook, the airlines overbook, which they that's their practice uh is to overbook. I don't know how many times I've been on a flight that was not full in recent memory. Uh, and, you know, the, the assumption is that somebody will not make the flight or whatever. But when they are overbooked, then they will offer a lot of times the opportunity to volunteer to be bumped. Now, the Department of Transportation has not mandated any form of compensation that the airlines have to offer to volunteer. So that's really uh, something that the airlines come up with themselves. They do require airlines to advise any volunteer whether he or she might be involuntarily bumped. Because that's when people get angry. So, you know, at some point, if nobody volunteers, they're going to go through a list of priorities. And if you're at the low end of the priority, you're, you're going to get bumped. And uh, that may not be um, what you want. And they do have to compensate you. Again, uh, it's really not, uh, uh, you know, something D- you know, DOT requires the airline to give the passengers who bump involuntarily a written statement describing their rights and explaining how the carrier decides who gets and on an oversold flight and who doesn't. So they have to know what that is. And, you know, they, there are maximum amounts that they have to pay you. The airline uh, arranges substitute transportation. Uh, they got to give you a one-way fare to your final uh, destination. Um, and there's a $675 maximum amount that they would have to compensate. So there is some compensation uh, that DOT talks about with involuntary bumps. But voluntary bumps is up to the airline, and a lot of times it's bidding. You know, they'll say, well, you know, who, who wants to bump for $250 in travel usually? Uh, and maybe it gets up to $500, and you start to say, well, I think I'll take that. But involuntary bumps are different. They, they do require compensation. And one of the things you can do to protect yourself is confirm your seat. A lot of airlines ask you and allow you to confirm your seat maybe 24 hours in advance. And if you've confirmed your seat, you might be less likely to get bumped. 
if you get to the gate uh, way ahead of time, then you might be less likely to get bumped. Uh, And now these are voluntary. And if it is a voluntary bumping, then like Professor Gershon said, you can you could negotiate to uh, receive compensation. Maybe instead of taking that uh, trip, you could get. Air, you know, extra airline uh, fares, get a, get a new flight, uh, get a new uh, airline ticket from the bumping. But with involuntary, your rights change depending on if uh, you're involuntarily bumped to a new flight for within an hour or if it's two hours or if it's more than two hours. Those are, are, are different gradations of legal rights for getting involuntarily bumped. That's correct. And actually, if, you, if they're going to uh, delay you for more than two hours uh, or they don't make substitute trans, uh, travel arrangements for you, uh, then the compensation doubles on your one-way fare to $1,350 maximum. So it goes up. There's, there's incentive for them to get you on a flight as quickly as possible. Now, you mentioned uh, poor you and, and the suitcases. When, you're, when your baggage, uh, when you get, check your bag, make sure you hold on to that uh, stub, the receipt for that your checked bag, because that, if you do have any problems, that will help you, help them locate your bag. Then also, uh, for me, I'm such a, a packing checklist person. It's uh, you know good to have a list of what is in your bag, or if you happen to have the receipts for what's in your bag, so that if you're if you do lose your luggage, then you can get a little bit of help. Um, talk about what a traveler should do for delayed baggage or if, uh, if uh, your luggage and you don't arrive at the airport at the same time. Well, it's a, it's a, a good question. And, you know, part of it, some of it is just inconvenience, right? It's usually nowadays they can track it down pretty, pretty easily and get it to you. I know when my bag was delayed, they actually um, brought it to my house. And even though I live uh, over an hour from the airport, they got it to me. Uh, but what they can or, or will do is if you, for example, let's say you have uh, some clothes that you needed to wear for a presentation and you have to buy replacement clothes because your bag is delayed, you want to make sure you keep receipts and report that to them. Uh, They assume that, and this is dependent on the airline, but most airlines assume that $50 a day for the delayed bag would be reasonable compensation. That doesn't mean that you automatically get $50. It means that you have to uh, show that, but they will. They do have to replace clothing and things like that that you need if you can show that you actually need them. Uh, they will provide you with things like uh, toiletries and things like that at the airport uh, if you if you've lost those. One thing to think about is you don't want to pack stuff that's really you desperately need. So prescription drugs, things like that, really ought to be in your carry on. Uh, and so uh, you know, just want to be careful about the idea. You know, hopefully your bag won't be delayed, but if it is, is there something you absolutely have to have? You should carry it with you. That's right. And uh, remember that if your bags don't come off the conveyor belt, report this to airline personnel before you leave the airport and insist that they create a report and give you a copy, even if they say the bag will be on the next flight. 
you know, make sure you get the appropriate phone number for following up, not a reservation number. And don't assume that the airline will deliver your bag without charge when it's found. These are things you need to ask about, uh, find out what the airport's guidelines and your airline's guidelines are for that. Oh, and now we're going we're gonna to take a break now, and then we're going to get to my favorite part. I'm taking my first cruise, and gosh, I'm trying to prepare for it, but I know I won't be able to, so I want to be, uh, I want to know ahead of time what my legal rights are. So if you have a question about your legal rights as a traveler, or if you have a story you'd like to share with us, please give us a call. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You could also send us an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert, and we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast. There are many different podcasting platforms. I like Podcasting Addict, but there's Stitcher and Spotify. I download it to my phone. Then I touch the plus, and that let, takes me to the search page where you get the little microscope or uh, magnifying glass, and I type in in legal terms in the search area. It brings up in legal terms. I touch on the photo and then subscribe, and if I choose, I can be notified when the new episodes are loaded up. We try, I, I try, and all the producers here at MPB try really hard to put uh, you know some extra information maybe on our podcasts, links, or some of the points that we've talked about or some additional information. So look on those podcasts, look on our website to get as much information as we can give to you for our shows. This morning, we're talking about uh, travelers' rights, your legal rights. Uh, Professor Gershon and I are uh, having a fun time talking about uh, our travels. We do have a call, and we're going to go to Evelyn in Jackson. Evelyn, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms. We're glad you're with us. Go ahead. Hi, Liz. It's Evelyn, as you already know. Hey. So I have parents who travel overseas quite a bit, and I myself have had that opportunity, and I've learned some things. Absolutely, put your prescriptions in your carry-on. My One of my parents has a bunch of them. We put it in a, zip, a big Ziploc bag, and it, they have to be in their original containers and have a list of what they are. And so my, 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 uh, my parents pull out that bag, and they see the list, and they almost always just go, okay, that's good. In your carry-on, always have at least one day's clothing. Okay. Then uh, I had a problem one time. My grandmother in Europe had a stroke, and we left, and we thought when we arrived she might be dead. So we're traveling to Atlanta, and there's bad weather, and we get 
swapped over to somewhere in Alabama, and we're talking to the stewards, stewards and stewardesses, and they say, everything's going to be late. It's all going to be fine. You know, don't worry about it. And we said, when we said, no, we have an international flight that we're trying to catch, and if we don't make it, my grandmother may be dead, they said, get off this plane right now and go. And then we called our travel agent. I called the travel agent while my mom was in line, and she found us two seats on another airline. And uh, and uh, we were able to get switched. And then my mother was a genius. She said, what about our luggage? And the person at the counter just gave her this look like, woman, you've got to be crazy. And my mother said, you know, these days they like the luggage to match the people on the plane. And and the woman looked at her and went, her face changed from you've got to be crazy to you're absolutely right. And we ended up having our luggage with us. So, I mean, you know, yes, they can't control the weather, and that's really an unusual situation. And I'm not suggesting you lie that you have somebody who is overseas who's about to die. But when you're in situations like that, I mean, and the woman, she had to first try, because we were on Atlanta, she had to first try to, to get us on an Atlanta flight, she, I mean, on a, a Delta flight, because we were with Delta, and she was like, there's nothing available, and I said, my, my travel agent has something on hold for us with such and such an airline, and she, and she looked at me, and, but after she, she had to first try the airline we were on, but then she, she changed us over. So, uh, but those are some th- some things, and absolutely, with your prescriptions, put that in your carry-on, absolutely, because you don't want to get to your destination and not have your prescriptions. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know Evelyn is an international traveler, and so those are some fantastic tips. Uh, we appreciate you calling in and sharing that with us. Thank no you, problem. Evelyn. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, we've. If you have a question or a comment uh, or a story you could share with us about travelers' rights, I would. I, I want to hear it. I want to hear the tips. Our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. And we do have an email, and it's, it's a comment and a question. This is from Kelly. Sadly, elite frequent flyers receive a higher standard of service than those who may only travel infrequently. They have special phone numbers to call. Flights are held for them in tight connections, etc. In short, the more money a person spends, the better service they receive. I know, as I am one of these very frequent flyers, what has happened to the status of an airline as a common carrier? Aren't they supposed to treat all passengers equally, regardless of the amount of money they spend? Do you uh, have a comment or any information about that, Professor Gershon? Well, as you know, back in the 1970s, uh, Congress decided to deregulate airlines, and, and so they really uh, are much more uh, free market than they used to be. And in some ways, that's been a big success, although there are a lot of people who say that their fees and their, their costs are much too high now. But they're allowed to do that, and, you know, it makes sense that if someone flies uh, every week, 
with a certain airline versus somebody who just flies one time, that that person who flies every week is going to get some special status. Uh, and I think that's how you know, a lot of businesses operate now, and that's why they have, uh, with hotels, there'll be uh, you know, loyalty programs. With airlines, there'll be loyalty programs. And I think that's just, just part of the business. Now we're going to move on and talk a little bit about cruise ship information. And one of the things a cruise ship company cannot uh, account for is a presidential order. And I know on Facebook uh, there were a number of people who were planning to cruise to Cuba. And President uh, Trump has said, nope, not right now. And so they had to have their cruises itineraries changed. That's right. And, and, you know, obviously, too, if there was something that all of a sudden you were about to cruise to an area that then was uh, in some kind of armed conflict uh, that might be dangerous, then, you know, it would make sense that you would not be allowed to go there either. But, you know, you're getting ready to go on a cruise, and I hope it's with the uh, Cruise Line Industry Association. I hope, I hope that your cruise line is a member of that organization. Because if it is, then you've got uh, access to the Cruise Line Passenger Bill of Rights, uh, which is something that members of that organization uh, comply with. Yes, and uh, two more websites that we will put on our Facebook, on our uh put on our podcast and online uh, more transportation.gov slash mission slash safety slash passenger dash cruise dash ship dash information and then also uh, cruising.org that has information about the, the cruise industry uh, their policies their priorities and the, the the cruise bill of rights. We have a, another call that has come in. Let's go to Amos, who's calling in from Tennessee. Amos, thanks for calling in to in legal terms. Go ahead with your question or comment. Yes, I um, first of all, uh, good morning. Uh, I've traveled quite a bit uh, internationally, and and when I go, sometimes I go into the line where you have to take off your belt or your shoes and things like that. But at times, and it looks like they they do this randomly, but at times they give me the line where you go in and you don't have to take off your belt or your shoes. And, uh, and I'm wondering why don't they do that all the time opposed to, you know, sometimes. Well, that's a great question, and probably that's when they uh, randomly assign you to TSA pre, and if you travel a lot, uh, then you, you might get that randomly. You can also purchase TSA pre-check. Uh, I think the cost is $80 a year. You have to go to an airport to, to finish the process. Uh, and, you know, there's also uh, uh, you know, other uh, things that you can pay for that give you better access. Uh, but TSA pre, you can go through the line. You don't take your belt off. You don't take your shoes off. Uh, and a lot of people take advantage of that. Oh, that's, that sounds nice. Uh, uh, can I give a shout-out to somebody uh, that was in the plane with me? Go ahead. Well, I went to uh, Peru, and I was uh, uh, sitting on my seat. I was probably two seats away from my first class. And... No, the first, yes, yeah, two seats away from the first class. 
And then this gentleman came from all the way to the back, and he was giving $20 bills to people, just giving them $20 bills. And uh, and here he's coming up from behind me, and I'm, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to get $20. I, I really don't need the $20, but, you know, it made me feel good that I was going to get $20. Well, he never gave me $20. But uh, this lady that came up, uh, at that moment, she was rather big, and she couldn't fit in there in the seats. So this gentleman gave her a $20 bill, and she started crying, and and, and uh, she was so appreciative. And he says, wait a minute. And he went to his first class uh, compartment up, on, up above and pulled out a bunch of more 20s and gave her, I, I believe, 100 bucks or something like that and gave her more after that. And then uh, the people came to, to, uh, to claim their seat because she was taking, you know, the other part too. And this gentleman gave up his first class seat, which was bigger, and and gave it to her. And whoever he is, if he's listening, what a guy. I mean, that, that's, that's a gentleman. Well, Amos, that was interesting. I, you know, that's just lovely. Uh, thank you for sharing that f- with us. It, it it is lovely when individuals do random acts of kindness, and it makes. I'm sure if, if you're going to Peru, that's probably a long flight. So that probably lifted everybody's spirits uh, to see, even if you weren't a recipient of generosity, to see that kind of generosity and to see that kind of uh, compassion. And I hope that made that the 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 good bystander. I hope that made him feel good. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. All right, we're going to take our last break of the show. We'll talk a little bit more about cruise ships, and then we'll also uh, dip into the bed bugs, so to speak. Call us with your questions. It's one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also send us an email: legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is in legal terms on MPB Think Radio. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Thank you for being a part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org in legal terms. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. And we would absolutely love for you to subscribe to our podcast. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. We're talking about travelers' rights. We're going to move on to cruising. And Professor Gershon, let's go through 
there's uh, uh, some of these international cruise line passenger bill of rights because I guess there are river cruises, but uh, most cruises go into international waters and uh, you have the right to disembark a docked ship if uh, food, water, and restrooms uh, aren't on board. That's always, that sounds like a good plan. It is. And, and, you know, actually this came out of a really bad situation in 2013 or just right before 2013. There was a a Carnival cruise ship that uh, had an engine uh, problem and and the passengers were held on the ship. Uh, They didn't have medical service. They didn't have uh, adequate food, adequate water. It was the the, uh, systems didn't work. And so the cruise lines decided to come up with this Bill of Rights to to protect passengers, especially, as you mentioned, these are typically international tours. So they're not governed by the laws of the United States. Uh, They're not necessarily governed by European law. They might be governed by uh, some other international law. And so they wanted to have a, a more normalized, a more centralized set of rights that they would give their passengers. And one of them is if, you know, if you're on the ship, and they can't give you adequate medical care or food. they got to let you off. You have the right to a full refund for a trip that is canceled due to mechanical failures or partial refund for voyages that are terminated early due to those failures. You have the right for uh, available onboard ships uh, for professional emergency attention. So uh, Dr. Bricker from the Love Boat, uh, he is now required to be on all the ships. That's right. The only thing that they didn't put in here is that they should have had a a ship lawyer as well. (laughs) would be the best way to protect people. Uh, but, you know, that's that's an oversight. Uh, but, you know, things like power and things like that that we take for granted uh, are really important on a, on a cruise. And if they go wrong, uh, the, the Bill of Rights actually addresses each of those. And so, you know, including if, they, if you have to get off the ship, they've got to provide you with a place to stay. You know, they can't just say, okay, well, disembark because it's not safe on the ship anymore. Uh, they've got to put you up in a hotel and they've got to pay that cost. Right. The the lodging uh, in an unscheduled port if the cruise is terminated. But uh, you need to be careful and follow the cruise line's rules because, as as it is, the, the captain is in charge of the ship. And if you do, as I understand it, if you do disobey some of the cruise line's rules or the captain's rules or... If they cannot take care of you, you can be put on at a port and not be taken care of. Isn't that right? That's correct. That's correct. And, you know, much like the airlines, if you're disruptive on an airplane, they can remove you. So you do want to you do want to be a good citizen on the cruise ship as well, but also know the rules, and that's really important. Uh, you know, that's the best way to be prepared, and that way, hopefully, everything goes smoothly and you have a great trip. Well, and it seems like every cruise ship also has gambling, but even for international cruise ships, they have to meet the regulatory standards of the Nevada Gaming Control Board. That's right. Uh, and uh, that's I find that interesting. And, you know, but that was put in place uh, a while ago. And so uh, 
you know, uh, well, good luck if you're gambling. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll try my hand at what Baccarat or something that James Bond would do that I don't know. I don't know. I, I just barely even go to the casinos in Mississippi. I don't know that I'll do that. All right. Let's let's end this with bed bugs. And uh, what are our federal laws about bed bugs, Professor Gershon? Well, there really aren't any, and so they're really regulated state by state. And actually, we are going to have uh, my wonderful colleague, Farish Percy, on later this summer talking about premises liability. And really, that's really what governs bedbug law for the most part. Uh, that is, you know, if you're bitten by bedbugs in a hotel, you are a paying customer in that hotel. They have a duty uh, to uh, try to keep those bugs from being in your room to start off with and keep their premises safe and clean. But if you are injured, you do have recourse, and, and bed bug bites are treated uh, very seriously. Uh, you know, at first I used to laugh at the idea, but, you know, when you think about what happens is bed bugs are quickly in, infest uh, people's clothing. They don't really live on your body. They live in your clothes. And so if you go home with bed bugs, they're going to infest your house, and they become a serious problem that's hard to eradicate. So you want to be real careful and make sure that you uh, understand uh, what bed bugs are and how to find them in the hotel. But if you are bitten, you want to make sure you take pictures and you want to take uh, pictures of the evidence that the bed bugs are there because the hotel may say, we think it's something else. Now, I'm not your mama, everybody listening, but this is what I'm telling you to do, and this is what I do. When you very first walk into a hotel room, uh, don't put your suitcase on the bed. Walk right over to the bed, pull back the top sheet, maybe even pull off the fitted sheet or what passes for a fitted sheet. And as my understanding is, bed books kind of look like strawberry seeds. They're not microscopic, maybe like uh, other things that I'm not going to talk about. But uh, I think bed bugs are visible to the naked eye, and they look kind of like strawberry seeds. So take a look and just ask for a different room uh, if you see them, and uh, don't even go in there. Don't put anything on the bed until you've checked. That's that's my philosophy, and I, that's how I've raised my kids. <laughs> Well, that's a smart philosophy, and that's uh, actually we do that as well. And you also check the bed bug registry to see if your hotel has had any bed bug reports. Well, thank you, Professor Gershon. I feel a little bit better about going on my cruise. I'm going to be sure to follow the rules and, and know what my rights are. But, you know, I also have the right. I need to be a good passenger so I don't get kicked off for being disruptive because, well, I'm not wild and crazy anyway. But thank you, Professor Gershon, for this show today. Thank you. It's going to wrap us up for today. Thank you, Java Chapman, and for Jay White for helping us get our show going. And so for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy Show, Relatively Speaking. But we hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.